Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host somewhere on the coast of California, Joey Nocho Prano. That's right, San Diego, California. I am in uh, I'm in an area that I've actually never been to before, Andy, called Sunset Cliffs. I have explored a lot of San Diego in my day, but I've never been to Sunset Cliffs for very long, and I am literally at the at a cliff. At the edge of the ocean here, I'm watching the waves roll in, I'm watching a bunch of San Diego people walk around on these cliffs. Got to be the prettiest place I've ever podcasted from. Yeah, you can't beat the coastal California view. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's And I'm in like this cliffside parking lot. Looks like the place teenagers would come to, you know, neck or whatever. Does it look like any sort of coastal view of the opening scene of Karate Kid? You know, it kind of looks like they're higher up and they come down on the motorcycles, the Cobra Kai, and then they kick Daniel LaRusso's ass. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know that one. Um, yeah, it's a little bit more like cliffy than that even. It's like it's like straight up rocks out here, like a rock face down. That they're like coming down like the kind of like sand cliffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great scene, by the way. Great. What a great job that the karate kid, the the whole Cobra Kai thing did of like extending that franchise, huh? Oh my God, man. It, it, it's beautiful. I mean, I will use the word. It is truly beautiful. And I'm listening. I'm almost finished with the William Zapka appearance on Mark Maron's podcast. Oh, nice. And, and it's cool. Cause he gives, it's cool hearing his history and his, evolution so to speak and also the timeline of how this all went down for this show and also his relationship with ralph macchio and um sensei crease aka martin cove who gave the best cameo ever to my brother which i still watch all the time because it's awesome (laughs) that's great uh, yeah, it's a great show, and I'm excited because season four will be out, I believe, this year. Nice. And how well, much? There's our, there, there's our there's our unsponsored plug for Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai, if you'd like to sponsor the Dirty Sports Podcast, we're available. Oh yeah, and how much have you? I know for me, how much have you really grown to dislike Daniel Larusso? <laughs> Well, in the first in the first season, they like I feel like that was their whole thing, right? Is to try to flip the script on you. Yeah. Um, and I definitely was like, oh fuck him at first, and now he's kind of like teetered back toward the middle a sure. little bit. But definitely, I mean, definitely, I mean, the like that's that's got to be the big uh, that's got to be the big praise that you heap on the guys who created that show and wrote that show is taking. Johnny Lawrence from one of the great villains in movie history and turning him into the most beloved character of all time (laughs) is pretty impressive. It truly is. I mean, I don't think people really understand what they did 
to flip the script, like you said. And in my opinion, I've never seen it really done. Where, where have we seen this done before? And not on this level, I don't think. Right. Anywhere. Yeah, it's <laughs> and, and you have empathy for him as you watch the show. You like him and he's yet yet he's still a total dick and he still says like blatantly offensive things or racist, misogynistic things. But you love him. That's what makes it so great. I think his final like the final turn for him to become the hero that he's destined to be is when he quits the banquet beer and starts drinking Miller Lite. That seems to be the only character flaw left. Yeah, I, I agree. Have you have get you been, rid of get rid of that disgusting bread water that you're drinking? Have you been kicking back some Miller Lights in uh, uh, San Diego? You know I have. Uh, great, fantastic comedy show last night. Shout out to the Dirt Balls who uh, who made it out to the show. Kicked back some Miller Lights last night. Did some comedy today. I have seats literally right behind home plate at Petco. I'm I, I've got my fingers crossed. I actually. I, I kneeled down bedside this morning and prayed to DeGrom that they have Miller Lite at Petco. I'm almost certain I have had some Miller Lights at Petco before. So uh, we'll, we'll be sitting right behind the home plate tonight, watching the Mets Padres and drinking a couple beautiful golden Pilsners. It's a perfect time to do it. Dirtballs, next time you're getting beers with friends at a ball game like Joe's talking about at a camp out, just hanging out, whatever it be, make it Miller time. Luckily, you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer or go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. It's uh, Andy, I got to say, like at this, you know, when you're when you're 41 years old, like myself, been in comedy for almost half my life at this point. Sometimes I start thinking, like, what does it all mean? What is you know? Have I had any effect on people whatsoever? Have I have I accomplished anything in this life? If I were to die tomorrow, what's my legacy? And then every once in a while, a dirt ball sends me a picture of him drinking a Miller Lite at a ballpark, and I'm like, that's it. That's my legacy. About That's legacy. It right there. It's about legacy, yo. It's about legacy, yo. I, I, I'm gonna when I die, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm gonna give uh, James Earl Jones baseball speech, but it's gonna it's gonna add Miller Lite to it. Baseball and Miller Lite, Andy. Well, this is a great and natural segue talking about legacies to discuss. Coach K announcing this will be his final year in Durham. The hurrah will finally end with the Duke Blue Devils 40 plus years as a I, college basketball. I coach. love, I love Duke. I love Duke basketball. This has been my life. And now it's time for me to move on. I love Duke though. Don't forget that. I love Duke. What a coach. Coach huh? K. Coach K um, one last hurrah. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. You know, they, I mean, in all this, the, the player empowerment, the coach moving, you know, everybody, like, it seems like n there's no, no stability at all anymore in sports from coaches to players to whatever. It's like, he did it, you know, 
you can hate Duke, Duke basketball all you want. I know a lot of people out there hate Duke basketball, but like you gotta you gotta applaud Coach K. One job essentially for the last. I mean, when did he take over at Duke? Late eighties. Let's see here. Let's let's pull up the actual timeline. The old Wikipedia. He is currently seventy four. He has been the head mid eighties since nineteen eighty. At Duke. At Duke. He coached Army from 75 through 80, took over Duke oh. at 80. So we're talking, we're talking 40 years at Duke. That's talking, what I'm saying. We're talking 45 years in basketball, 47 years in basketball, whatever it is. That's crazy. Yeah. Five titles at Duke, 12 Final Fours, 15 ACC tournament champs, 12 ACC regular season champs, and obviously the list of players. I mean, I, I we don't have enough time in this show to go through the people who've gone through Duke and been great in the NBA or just great at Duke. Yeah. Um, so this will be his final season. Correct. What do you put what do you put their chances at? You know, obviously they they recruit great players no matter what, but like how how much of a bump do you think it gives the Duke championship odds, not like Vegas wise, but like in your mind that like everybody playing for Coach K's last year? Or is it too much pressure? It's too much pressure. When when I will pose this, when has a team in a coach's last season where it's announced ahead of time like this, not when they retire after they win? When have they won? I can't think of it. <laughs> I don't know if there's ever been a time, but I, I feel like this is pretty rare. Uh, obviously, especially for a guy of this stature, there's not a lot of guys in history who have this stature, but even, even guys who have, you know, pretty high quality careers. I, I don't feel like it's that regular that people go like, well, this is it. It's my final year. And, you know, and, and let's not forget, because obviously we're going to talk about him in depth, but we got to add, I'm, we're just talking college, what he did with the Olympic team and how all those guys bought in who obviously were NBA players since he took over coaching the Olympic team in, um, 2008. Yeah. I mean, sure. Like that, that's, that's definitely an easier job than, uh, sure. Than most, but, uh, but yeah, there was definitely a, uh, there was an, a, a lull there for a minute where, they were just trying to pick who they thought were the best players and as opposed to like putting together teams. But then obviously in 2008, you know, that's when those, the LeBrons and that whole class of guys for, for them to all, you know, bring, bring the, uh, bring the dominance back. Well, is important. It, yeah. It and, important. and to me, that's credit to coach K, right? Like they all, the reason I bring that up is, you know, here's a college coach who all these NBA guys want to play for and like, and a guy who is basically been loved by everybody. I mean, let's not forget after Phil Jackson retired after the first Lakers three Pete, and then they lose to the Pistons. Remember coach K it was like basically down to him. Is he going to yeah. take the job? And Kobe was going hard and gunning hard. You know, and Kobe's on record saying if he went to college, he would have went to Duke. And, you know, looking back on it, I think that was a great move by Coach K. I, I don't know. You know, not to go to the NBA. He continued it out at Duke. Obviously, he won more titles. 
it's just it's crazy how he's just been with one program, like we said, for 40 years. And honestly, let's let's just like put all the cards on the table, avoiding this, uh, avoiding scandal in terms of breaking NCAA rules, which he had to have at some point. Well, Zion's Zion's in the middle of stuff. Right. But like for the most part, Coach K has come out kind of unscathed. Sure. Over 40 years at Duke. 40 years competing with the North Carolinas that get fucking banned and the Arizonas that get banned. Like, I mean, essentially every other major college basketball program at some point that puts out the quality of players that Duke does. And I, I can't. You can't really say there's any other school that does put it out with the consistency, but you know, like, you know, listen, I love coach K, but you know, he was doing it right. So to come out relatively unscathed might be the most impressive part of his career. Yeah. Who does he have working for him is the question. Cause those people know what they're doing to basically leave him unscathed and a clean unblemished record. Not to uh, not to start any conversation along the lines to the end of the calls episode, but I mean, he was working at Army before that. It's probably like the military industrial complex, probably like a Rockefeller. That's his bag man, you know, making sure he doesn't, you know, he's probably got some CIA agents helping him out. I mean, he did go to West Point. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's probably yeah. got like, you know, it's probably got the people who still who helped like the Clintons murder people. He's just like murdering the guys who do the payments. Yeah, he, I'd, he, I'd, I'd, I'd like I'd like to look into how many people who know Coach K have died suspiciously. Just saying, not to man, not to shit, not to con- shit on his legacy. Conspiracy theories out the gate on Coach conspiracy, K. Conspiracy theory, Prano. I mean, well, his name, like, I mean, Coach K, and it's pronounced Shashevsky. That's already like, you know, double agent spy shit. Yeah, and, and another accolade for Coach K. He survived playing for Bobby Knight. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, and God knows you think Bobby Knight was unhinged at Indiana. What do you think was happening when Bobby Knight was coaching army? Oh yeah. There was definitely kids getting code redded. Fucking <laughs> two, two turnovers and you, you're getting beaten with socks full of soap. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't, uh, you didn't run suicides. You got waterboarded yeah. after practice under coach Knight at yeah. army. Where do you put where do you put them at? Because you asked me, I'll ask you back as far as winning. In terms of what? His final season. Um, does it, does well, it help or hurt? I, I think it probably hurts, but like it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because everywhere he goes, it'll be it'll be like, you know, the, the farewell tour. You know, you know me and farewell tours. I mean, he's gonna go into Chapel Hill. Usually like a, uh, you know, uh, like a cross state death battle. And they're going to be like, coach, here's, you know, a pair of Jordans with your face on it. And we love you. And, you know, know, Roy Williams is going to meet him at half court and kiss him on the mouth. And like, there's going to be a whole, there's going to be a whole fucking thing. So Roy Roy Williams is gone too, bro. You you forget. No, I, I, Oh, no, I know that. I'm just saying he will for sure be there and he will okay. for sure kiss him on the mouth. Um, but I'm saying, you know, like it will soften the edge on some of these games. So that could help. But I got to imagine here's, you know, 
set my second conspiracy of the episode so far. Um, I got to imagine if he had like a sick freshman recruiting class coming in, he's not like, this is my final year. You know what I mean? I think he's got a good class. Well, the, uh, you know, his former player, John uh, Shire, is that how it's pronounced? He's taken over. And apparently he's been the badass recruiter. He's been the guy who's been getting the Jason Tatums and the Zion Williams, you know, the more recent guys. And okay. Shire, Shire was a really good player at Duke. Um, so he's going to take over. But I'm looking at his record right now. Dude, this is wild. So he's been coaching them since the 80-81 season. He's only had two losing seasons, which were his second and third season, which were 81, 82 and 82, 83 seasons. So he hasn't had a losing season since then. That is insane. Yeah, that's crazy. You're never going to have a guy coach at school for 40 years again, ever. No, no, this is definitely added to our unbreakable records list. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to add his wins, his longevity. He finished at Duke. I'm sorry, finished. He's still doing it. Right now, he has 1,097 wins, which is a 784 winning percentage in the ACC. Yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely bonkers. So, Coach K, you did it. Like you said, a lot of people hate him. We we could Coach, do a, Coach, could, Coach K and the CIA are the greatest college basketball duo of all time. <laughs> and it rhymes. Coach K, CIA. You know what we could do? I think we're going to have to do at some point during his final season. And I kind of teased it with a little tweet yesterday on Dirty Sports of all the punchable, the most punchable players. You know, they have, a lot of them have punchable faces. Yeah, in Duke history. I mean, dude, where do you start? Like, I put four up there, and people were like, "How'd you leave so and so?" Well, you can only put four in a tweet. You'd have to make a whole thread. But right. But let's face it; it's pretty much. I'd say it's mostly the white players. I like. I don't know if any of the non-white guys have really been punchable and for some reason it's always the white guys because that's just what it is i mean that is a long and distinguished list yeah like my johnson yeah i'm setting you up you're in san diego you're you're probably near miramar yeah brah all right well we'll go from coach k to the nba and uh you know what's not long and distinguished is the new york knicks playoffs this year oh andy it was tough it was a tough it was a tough run um, I sadly, I mean, I, I think I said pretty much all I had to say about, you know, the failures of the, of the actual playoff series on last episode. And I mean, I can reiterate some of that stuff. I just think that they, you know, Tibbs, the, the, the effort coaching certainly got them through the season, uh, for sure. A, a nice turnaround season, but he got, he got vehemently outcoached in the playoffs. He uh, like, you know, you just need to have a better approach and you also need to make better adjustments. I mean, they made no adjustments in the series. Trey young lit them up, um, you know, for a defensive team to basically play shitty defense for an entire playoff series and get bounced. It's like, it, it's frustrating because, it was definitely a successful season. I took, I, I said many times I took the L on, on the hire, but I got to say like th this, 
this playoff series exposed a little bit. It's like, cool, you can get a bunch of like vets that you pulled off the scrap heap, like the Reggie Bullocks and the Alec Burks and the whatever and the Julius Randles even to buy in and be like, we're just going to compete every night. But unless you can take that and also have a great, you know, X's and O's strategy when, when the intensity is turned up, you know, you're not going to win with less talent. And to be totally honest with you, like I said, last episode, I think there are guys on the team who have talent and can become a great NBA players. Some of the younger guys, and they didn't really get their opportunities. It was like, oh, we're going to win. We're going to live and die by, you know, Julius Randle and and Reggie Bullock. And, you know, it, it didn't work. And it was definitely a disappointing end of the season after what was a, a great, great, you know, season of turning around. And it should fill Knicks fans with a lot of hope. But for some of us a little bit more intelligent Knicks fans, which they're seeming to be less and less of these days. I used to, I used to be very excited with how I used to be very excited to be a part of Knicks fans. Cause I thought Knicks fans were smart basketball fans. There's more and more dumb ones these days. And sadly, like there are some things to take away from the series that really, really make me scared, which is like, what is the future of this team? Because right now this is, about as good as you're going to do. Well, I mean, we've talked about that in depth, I think, right, for a minute. I, I think on the other end, the Hawks, you know, this, this Trey Young thing seems to be working out. Yeah. No, the Hawks are great. The Hawks played really well. I mean, they, they like, McMillan absolutely turned them around. They have a whole, they have a personality now. I mean, listen, that the disappointing thing for me as a Knicks fan is like, I don't, I don't see the Hawks being contenders anytime soon either. And yet they kicked the shit out of us. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. So that, so that, that's the thing that bothers me. Now I'm not saying that they're not talented. I'm not saying that like building around Trey young is a bad idea. Bogdanovich is awesome. I actually think he's almost the soul of the team more than Trey young is. Um, they, they've certainly, figure something out in the second half this year. I think that they'll give Philly like a little bit of work. I don't know if they have the potential to upset Philly. That's kind of on like, that's a doc rivers question mark for sure. But I think, I think they'll make it tough on them. But again, like, and there, trust me, there's delusional Atlanta fans. And I've seen that throughout this series. I mean, the, like the thing that bothered me about this series, watching it and doing the social media thing is like, Atlanta fans complaining about the Knicks and the Knicks fans and Knicks calls and whatever. And it's like, listen, Trey Young's great. Trey Young is also maybe the most coddled player by refs I've seen in, you know, since fucking Michael Jordan retired. I mean, I, I've never seen somebody get so many ticky tack foul calls. I mean, he, he makes Harden's game look fucking tough and great. Good for them. You know, um, Atlanta versus Philadelphia like that 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 couldn't be a more I'm rooting for Al-Qaeda series but uh but like again what I'm left with as a Knicks fan is I like be realistic the Hawks are not going to be playing in an Eastern Conference finals or a 
uh, NBA finals anytime soon. And they worked the Knicks. So that's a little bit frustrating. Yeah. And, and I've seen, I've seen some things out there to kind of transition a little into some of the other series. Cause we're talking about Trey young about the Trey young and Luca trade and who it's working out better for. Come on guys. Like to me, it's just look, Trey Young's a nice player and he's a nice piece. But Luca is solely putting his team on his back in yeah. those in those three road wins for a young guy for the amount. I think last night, what did I see this stat? Of the 37 field goals made, it was something like 31 either he scored or assisted on. Like I, I don't think. Anyone who says, oh, the, the trade worked out. Yeah, it's working out for both teams. But Luca is next. Luca is a generational player. And what he's doing, like, like you've said, as far as putting the team on his back, again, on the road, he has. And, and, and Trey Young is surrounded by the kind of guys. Listen, I'm not saying the Mavs don't have great players. And I'm not saying that the. Hawks have like the best, you know, lineups in the world around Trey Young. But there are the Bogdanoviches, the uh, Gallinari's, the Collins. Like you put those kind of guys around a Luka type player. He is making all of them incredibly good. And Trey Young is, you know, getting his and it's working for them. And they all like to play with him and they all like him and whatever. And I'm not saying he's a bad player by any means whatsoever, but yeah, it's come on comparing him to Luca. It's, it's, it's just a, unfair. It's, and, and, it's and, silly. and yeah, it really, I, like I said, he's a, he's a generational guy. If you watch these games and what he can do and how he makes everyone around him so much better. And here we are again with the Clippers, man, y you know, can they can they win these last two? You got the two LA teams. It's crazy. Two of the top three teams that were Vegas odds to win it all are on the brink of elimination, which I've said it before and I'll say it again, is not good for the NBA. It's not good at all. You talk about conspiracies. Dare I say it? Is, is Adam Silver picking up that phone and saying, uh, we need the Clippers and Lakers to make it to round two? Well, I'll say this. I don't think in terms of like a national headline grabbing, like I, I don't think the Clippers are in the top seven or eight teams that would be like move the needle. Like, does the country care about the Clippers? I don't like what part of how many people of L.A. care about the Clippers? How many Clippers fans do you know? You know, wild, you know, Sam Tripoli. Well, Tripoli, come well, on. He, he's he's right. Right. I'm just saying, at least he claims it. Sure. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't think he goes to games anymore because, you know, you've got to be vaccinated. And obviously they're putting a chip in your neck so that they can, you know, remove you from <laughs> so, so they can shadow ban you on Twitter or whatever. But um, did, he, did he get banned again? He's been banned so many times. Every time I fucking tweet about Sam, I'm like, oh. I wish I knew. I wish Sam were still on Twitter so we could talk about the Clippers and, and somebody will jump in. Oh, he's here now. He hates it. He hates it. And they're shadow banning him. And don't believe everything you read on the media. But also, he will start 45 Twitter accounts. Well, the Clippers, 
you, you know, you thought like you watched that game last night, like, oh, are they gonna, are they gonna pull it out at the end? And you know, they're down 10 with two minutes to go. They cut the lead to one. It's a great game, but turn the ball over at the game and the Mavs made the plays when they had to. Do you think who do you think wins the series right now? Right where is it where it stands? The Mavericks. You think the Mavs they close it out in Dallas? Yeah, I think they close out in Dallas. What a shit show, man. Let's not forget. I'm saying it's a shit show because I'm just looking ahead to the future. The Clippers have no picks for a long time. Listen, there's a lot about what the Clippers have done in the last few years that are good. That's good. But there's a lot that the Clippers have done in the last few years that isn't good and really seems kind of like reckless and weird. And you're like, okay, you've built around, you've built around, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, but like, what have you built around them? Like we talk about a guy like Gallinari, like is gone now. We talk about Lou Williams is gone now. We talk about like whatever, and and they're not this lockdown defensive team. So, you know, your personality now is what? Like, what are the Clippers? Yeah, I don't like, know. Ka- Kawhi and Paul George together can't manage to stop Luca from having like out of the world that we know of basketball, like that, that, that stop him from having games that only guys like LeBron have. Yeah. And so what is your, what, like, what do you guys, what, what are you about? What's your thing? Like, I just don't know what the Clippers, again, this is the, you know, you go, we go back to the, my thing about my Knicks. Every basketball fan has to think about this. What is your team's identity? And can that identity translate into a championship? And I don't even know what the Clippers identity is. So I would say no. Now you look at a team like, uh, you know, the Blazers. Their identity is Damian Lillard loses his mind every few games. Like absolutely goes to another planet, loses his mind. Can you win the championship? If that's your identity, can you win a championship? I would say again, no. Well, well, let's talk about that. Holy shit. That that game from Dame a couple nights ago against the Nuggets was absolutely bonkers. That's how I describe it. It was bonkers, the shots he was hitting. And I'm trying to think in my lifetime. No, there has not. You know, because when Jordan went off against the Celtics, what year was that? Was, was that 86? Yeah. I was too young, is my point. Right? So, like, I, I didn't see that. Games that I've watched, and I'm watching this and, game. And it, was, and, it was, and it was the first round in a five-game series. He got fucking swept. You're like... You know, like, like, it's just not even comparable. Well, well, look, I don't know that. I don't know that personally, because I don't know enough about his 63. I know he went, but like the, the threes, I mean, I mean, listening to the announcers, it, it was what Greg Anthony and Spiro Didis. It's like hearing, you could hear it in their 
fluctuation of how they were talking. Like, this is crazy. The shots, this was absolutely nuts. The shots he, when, when Dame goes off, it's, it's such a thing of beauty because it just, it looks so good. And it's such a high percentage of shots that he's made. What, what do you make? 10 of 14 threes or something insane like that? Yeah. No, dude. I mean, it is because he works that shit. That's part of his, you know, that's part of his training is he's, he's shooting 35 footers in the gym. And I don't think there's a lot of guys besides him and maybe Steph, obviously Steph, who that's part of their thing. The difference between uh, Lillard and Steph, not that, you know, they're not both like crazy, but like Steph is more consistently like on any given night, he's got, you know, he's got eight threes in his bag. Lillard has some rough nights here and there, but when he goes off, like when he has nights like this, you're like, wow, this is like, he gets this confidence of like, I can make every shot. And he basically does. What was crazy is I can't believe it came down to, you know, another chance for it. And he passed on it. Yeah. So he finished, I'm looking, he finished. He was, he was not 10 of 14. He was 12 of seven. He was 12 of 17. From threes, he made 17 of his 24 shots. And like we're saying, these aren't these aren't the, the Kobe Bryant turnaround jumper. We're talking 30, 35 foot threes. Absolutely insane. Yeah. But with that being said, back to your point, they're down three, two. And what is the DNA of this team? Yeah, it's, you know, so you look at this Blazers team and you're like, and, and that it's, it's for sure something that is Dame absolutely knew what he was getting into. You know, all these guys who take the, the super maxes and then fill themselves around like with, with, you know, CJ is a great player. I love CJ and Nurkic is great. Um, but then, you know, when, once you fall off of that and you start going in like, Oh, now we're going to have to fill out roster spots with like, the corpse of Carmelo Anthony and this guy. And this is like, this is what every team that has like mega players on it has to do. But it seems like the strategy that's been working more in the, at least in the recent history is like, you may as well go in on the two super max guys and then fill out with just absolute dog shit around them because you can win a championship with LeBron and Anthony Davis. And you can't win a championship with Dame and CJ McCollum. Like as much as I like both of those guys. Yeah. Your, your team has to be a lot better around them than it is for you to have a championship run. And do I think Denver is going to win the championship? No, but I think they're closer than the Blazers because they're just a way more balanced, deep, team sure and it's not all like Jokic is gonna win the mvp but you don't have games where you're like well it's him going for 40 and that's it like all well, the guys well, on well, that well, team well that's what i'm saying look at the stat line look at this look the stat line of that game which i'm looking at it reveals it you know porter had 26 Jokic had 28 rivers had 18 morris had 28 i mean it's it's you know, Gordon had 14. It's it's so balanced. And Andy, you you do you remember asking me last game who I thought wins? And do you remember 
who I said and why I said it? You said Nuggets. And I said, because I, I, it might be, you know, the style of play I like, but I love a team where the superstar is facilitating everybody around him as opposed to being the guy that's just stockpiling points. And then we literally have that game where, you know, Lillard has a, I mean, it was so fun to watch and he was in so incredible. And like, I'm not absolutely not putting it on Lillard, but the biggest play in that game is at the end of the game, Jokic has the ball. They, they start shifting over to him. He throws the most incredibly perfect floating skip pass to the corner to Porter who hits a three that ends up being the game winner. Yeah. All the, all the Dame shots, all the fucking thing. That was the play of the game. Yeah. The play of the game, the, the play of the game is a beautiful skip pass to a short corner three by the MVP because they give him a little extra attention. And honestly, that's to me. And people always talk about the NBA now and the NBA then and what the number one thing for me, the number one difference between the NBA now and the NBA in the past and the greatness that basketball is now is the ability of these guys to hit, to throw perfect skip passes across the court and get guys wide open three looks. And it's, you know, that that's, that that's a better play than just about anything Michael Jordan ever did in his career. Like that's a better play. Uh, all, it's right. A better play. Uh, all right. All right. You're getting ridiculous now. You're getting but I'm ridiculous. Saying it's, I'm, I'm, I'm saying from a, from a efficiency standpoint, it's the best thing that you can do in basketball. The best thing that you can do in basketball is draw attention to yourself and, and take it two guys away to a guy that's standing wide open I, behind the three point line. It's the most efficient play in hoops. Well, that game was amazing, but the other game that night was a total dud. The Lakers got their shit pushed in from start to finish. Yep, it was bad. It was bad. I, I you know, I turned I turned it off pretty quickly. Like, I didn't watch the second half of that game. Well, what's the point? Well, I mean, also Lillard was going off the exact same time. So, yeah, yeah, true true it was uh it was bad and you know you know you know i said last episode i just i just don't think i think lebron's hurt and i just don't think they can win without anthony davis well i said that they could win without anthony davis and the and the way that they could is exactly what i said the the suns are doing a great job of attacking lebron off when he has the ball dribbling so they're coming at him with doubles they're coming at him with like even more than doubles, they're coming at him with like, hey, here's a guy who's not guarding you, but he's waiting for you to go by your guy. They have preset help defense. They're packing it in. So when LeBron is driving, even though he's not getting all the way to the basket, they're collapsing on him. And then he's doing, again, the most efficient play that you can make in basketball and finding guys that, you know, that are a good distance away, skip passes to guys who are on the perimeter but the, as I said last episode, the Lakers can't win unless those guys are going to hit those shots. But to me, this isn't the LeBron of the past. 
and you know, the numbers back it up. He's, he's turned the ball over the most since his rookie, or I'm sorry, since his first time in the playoffs. And with Weiler directed, it's simple to buy a car Christ. online. Or what, what, what is this doing? I don't want this. Let me start this again. <laughs> but to me, Joe, this isn't the LeBron that we've seen in recent years. Again, part of the reason I'm saying I think he's still injured. He's turning the ball over the most since his first time in the playoffs. He's going to average a low in points since his first time in the playoffs. I just think that it's a lot for an aging guy to do. Like, well, again, I think it's, I think it's a lot for an aging guy to do on his own. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I agree with you. And obviously I think whether LeBron is aging, which we know he is injured, which he probably is. And we'll get to the, you know, him leaving early and all that in a minute. But I think no one does it on their own. The question is, can he do it without Anthony Davis? I still say, listen, I, first of all, I think they win tonight. You do. I do. I think in LA, I think they win. Now, game seven, I don't think they win on the road without Anthony Davis. But again, I think that they can. But they're not going to because no one is stepping up. No one is having a good series. No one on the Lakers is having, you're not like, oh, look, you know, he's shooting really well. Oh, he's playing really well. Despite everything, he's doing it. And honestly, I think, I think, you know, it's, we talk a lot about like LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. And and if LeBron wins, LeBron wins. And if LeBron loses, LeBron loses. And I think Vogel did a good job last year but I don't think he's doing a good job this year in terms of they, they are, they have a great strategy of how to attack LeBron without Anthony Davis. And that is for, to go, when you try to go to the basket, we will make you give up the ball, which throughout LeBron's career, he's like, Oh, great. Make me give up the ball. And I will make other guys, you know, stars in making shots. And just none of these Lakers guys hit shots. And it's, it's hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, you, you, well, yeah, I mean, they're not hitting shots. It's just, it's just like I said, that that performance was just ugly. It's yeah. I mean, when two of your five starters score zero points, and that's your two guards, Schroeder and Caldwell Pope, it you just, it just, you're not going to win. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, listen, the like, you you don't need these guys to to score 25 points, but you need them to score 11. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Now, obviously a lot was made about LeBron leaving with about five and a half minutes left in the game to go in to get treatment. Allegedly. Um, you, you know, to be honest, I, I don't, I don't know the precedent. I mean, everywhere, you know, we live in a, an era where, Everybody freaks out because we have social media and there's a spotlight on everything. And I, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Do guys leave games early sometimes and we just don't notice? Does he get more attention because he's LeBron? Uh, of yeah. course he does. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, you know, I don't know. So, like, I don't my, – my stance is I don't have, like, a, a heated opinion either way. I'm just like, whatever. It is what it is. I, like, I don't – I mean, I, the thing with LeBron is, like, people's opinions on LeBron, people, the things people say on LeBron, the way people watch LeBron, the way people judge LeBron is like 
like the, the, the judgment on LeBron is like people judge him whether they like him or they don't like him, whatever, in a, in a total vacuum as compared to no one else. Like they literally they will see LeBron do one thing and be like, I can't this has never happened before or like show me a guy who and like, you know, uh, a great friend of our show and a guy we both like and a guy who know we whose sports opinions we like Brant Tobler. I don't know if you saw the tweet that he put out and my reply to it. He was like, I'm done with LeBron. Like, show me a guy in history who has not showed up in a playoff game and then left early. Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan would never. Okay. Now that's, that's pretty, that's pretty funny. We, we should remind Brant what Kobe shot in game seven of the 2010 finals. Eight of but, 24. But here's the thing. So the leaving early is one thing, but he says, I replied with, well, we should start with, quote, not showing up because LeBron in 32 minutes of not showing up essentially averaged Kobe Bryant's career playoff stats with with a couple extra rebounds. Kobe Bryant's career playoff stats, 25, five and five. LeBron went 24, seven and five the other night. So this is my point. This is my point. If you're a guy who's watched a lot of basketball, who's played a lot of basketball, who's a Kobe Bryant slurper. And you watch a game where LeBron plays, you go, he didn't show up. Meanwhile, what really happened was in not showing up in eight less minutes, he averaged your favorite player's playoff career. (laughs) Like, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're, you're looking at two sim. It's like, you're looking at two of the same picture and being like, that's a dog and that's a cat. And you're like, dude, your hero, he just played your heroes every playoff game. And because LeBron has spoiled you with his greatness to you, he didn't show up. So you're not judging him based on everybody. You're judging him based on LeBron. LeBron can come out and have Kobe Bryant's career average but because he didn't go 56 11 and 12 he didn't show up and Uh, and and that's and that's what how people judge it now listen here's the thing about the leaving early it wasn't the last game of the series he didn't walk away and not shake hands and blah 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 like would i leave a game early to go get treatment i don't know but like again you know a lot of people think he's more injured then he's leading on. And when you're playing a playoff series where you have to get treatment post game and then get on a plane and then go back to LA that night is, is like getting 15 minutes head start on it. Well, well, look, look, I, I can see it from both sides that that's my take. And I know it's kind of a lame take, but it's true. Like I, I can see it. Hey dude, you can just wait 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is to get your treatment. Just but for fucking, the sake, of, but but I, I and that's but, fine. But I, but I can see the other side too, which which says he won. He wanted to get the treatment early. What's the big deal? No. Like like I can see both sides. But also for the sake of who, for the sake of the other team, for the sake of people watching, for the sake of your team, like he has to be out there while Caldwell Pope fucking goes over the rest of the game. Like who is he doing this for? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, look, I don't know. Like I said, that's why I said I don't really have a strong opinion either way. You know, obviously someone like Brant's going to take a hard take. He deleted that tweet, by the way. Uh, Did he? <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at his Twitter right now. 
it's it's just like to me that is a bad take of like like I, I do I do I don't like the LeBron, I'm sorry, the the Jordan or Kobe stuff. It's like that's just not true, guys. They did have bad games. Again, I, I don't know how many times I'm gonna bring this up. Kobe literally played a awful game seven of the NBA finals. They won that game because of all the supporting players, including Pau Gasol. Like, like, so this notion, this notion that only LeBron has bad games is stupid. Like everybody has bad games. Andy, just, this this is my point again, though. We're, like, let's talk about it when LeBron has a bad game. <laughs> like, <laughs> if Trey Young goes twenty four seven and five against the Knicks, he's the future, and the the, the Doncic trade worked out. LeBron goes twenty four seven and five, and they get boat raced because no one else can hit a fucking shot, and he has not showed up. We can't look at these like. LeBron should be compared against basketball players. LeBron shouldn't be compared against peak LeBron. Yeah. Well, regardless, I stand by my point. I don't think they can win without Anthony Davis. I don't. I, and I, and I do think LeBron's hurt. I think he's hurt. And, you know, I'm going to pose a question though. Like, like where, cause he won a title last year and I think it was easier to have focus in the bubble, but, you know, is LeBron's focus 100% there? What I liked what he used to do, I don't know if you remember this, and granted, he was a little younger, but he was also going off in, a, in these playoffs. Remember he just went off social media? Remember that was his thing during the playoffs? Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's social media, but, like, dude, it's a I'm fucking – it's a – like, I know for myself, like, when I was like, dude, I'm going to vacation – I'm off social media for a week because I know I want to be in the moment. I'm just saying like these guys get the fucking distractions out of your way. Just focus. Like I'm not even like it. It's just, uh, again, it's so ludicrous. We're comparing LeBron to peak LeBron. LeBron's 37 years old. He's played in fucking 11 of the last 13 finals or whatever it is. Like, Dude, everybody has to realize I'm the biggest LeBron slurper in the world. Everybody's got to realize this is nothing to do with his legacy. This is nothing to do with his greatness. Like it is going to end, guys. Yeah, I know. Well, well it is going to end. I'm not to me. This doesn't hurt his legacy. There is no hurting his legacy. Nothing. You don't hurt your legacy at the end of your career. People pretend Michael Jordan didn't even play for the Wizards. People pretend Kobe Bryant wasn't responsible for 14 win seasons and 17 win seasons. Like people pretend it didn't fucking happen. That's not how legacies work. You achieve. And then, you know, the greatest of the greats have, have walked away smartly knowing that the end of their career can hurt them more than it helps them. But like LeBron won a championship last year, but it's gonna, it's gonna end at some point. And honestly, the, the, you have to give credit to what the Suns have obviously done in this series. The Suns are a great up-and-coming team. They, they made smart, savvy moves in the offseason to get Chris Paul and Yvette. But the, what the Suns have done great in this series, again, is have an awesome strategy for how to guard LeBron without Anthony Davis. They're like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stop you from getting to the basket. We are going to force you to make have the rest of your teammates make shots. And those guys make zero shots. It's a great strategy, but we all know LeBron James 
in his prime, when he's healthy, whatever, he's not a guy who's going to pass up giving professional basketball players who have been in the league for a couple of years, wide open jump shots. It's their job to make them. Well, I'll be curious how it plays out tonight because, you know, we don't know yet officially if Anthony Davis is going to play and, and God damn it. Just, you know, obviously Charles Barkley <laughs> gave him shit and was calling him street clothes, but shit, man, you gotta get in. Anthony Davis, he's gotta get in there. He gets injured all the damn time, man. I, I mean, listen, I totally agree with you. And you know, we, if, if my thing is if people want to criticize somebody in this series, that should be the guy to criticize. Now, I'm not saying he's faking it or like milking it or anything like that, but it's like, dude, at some point you're going to have to play injured at some point in your fucking career. Yeah. You know, what, what, what did Anthony Davis accomplish in terms of being, you know, leading teams to playoff victories before he met LeBron James? He won one series one time. It's pretty exciting. Um, you know, like it, LeBron went to the Lakers knowing that he was going to be able to lure somebody like that to join him and that that would be his chance at a title. And he got one and he did it. And I agree with you. I like, I don't think that the Lakers can now win this series. I think they can win. I don't think they can win. I'm I'm losing you again. Sorry. You got me? No, I do. Just say I don't think so, the Lakers can win the series without Anthony Davis. I don't think they can win the series without Anthony Davis now that they're down 3-2. I do think that they can win tonight down, you know, without Anthony Davis, but he's going to have to be back for a game seven in Phoenix or else yeah. they lose no matter what. Let's move on to a few other series. We have the Nets are moving on, and uh, they looked pretty pretty good in that first series. And they not only ended the Celtic season, but they ended uh, Danny Ainge's reign as the president slash GM, whatever his official title was. And now Brad Stevens will take on that role. That this is a this is a weird. I am I the only one that thinks there's something behind this that we don't know about yet? It's pretty interesting. It was announced yesterday. Stevens will transition. By the way, every time, every dude, every time I hear that word, I think of sexual. Ah, uh, sexual transition. Am I the only one? Like when, when I read the headline, like Boston head coach Brad Stevens is planning to transition. I'm like, whoa, he's turned into a woman. Yeah. Well, these days. Yeah. I mean, just seeing somebody planning on it, you can't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, you're, you're canceled just at the joke. Andy. I mean, I, I hear the word transition. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. As a former English teacher, transitions were very important for papers. Anyway, uh, back to my, transitions jokes I, i'm gonna have a whole routine on it of uh pronoun jokes grammar pronoun jokes you guys ready for this okay anyway back to what i was saying um he will become the new head of basketball operations <laughs> and is he, is, he, Ainge, is, he, is he qualified to do that at all it, it, the whole thing is bizarre I, I i don't know what to make of it you know when i say conspiracy this isn't what i'm talking about but one of the things that is like rumored is that he like lost the locker room, you know? So therefore the thing was, Oh, we can transition him into this, that Danny doesn't want to do anymore or whatever. And, but it's like, is that what is, does that a good, 
you know, president of basketball operations makes a former <laughs> college coach who's been in the, who's been your NBA coach for eight years with like, you know, some success who lost the locker room. Yeah. I don't know. Is, is, is this the strategy for finding like the next great basketball exec? Your young, your young team who's like your stars are all under 25. Don't like your coach. Let's make him the president. So that was the rumor. I didn't see that. The rumor was that he had lost the locker room, huh? Brad Stevens, I know he's been in the league. Like, how long has he been coaching the Celtics now? Eight years? He still feels to me like a young kind of wonderkind coach. Like, I feel like we, we didn't get a chance to see them build a team for Brad Stevens that really, really had a chance to win. I think the Kyrie thing was reckless and always destined to fail. I don't know why that was a move, but you know, they tried it, but it's kind of crazy to me that like, he's not going to coach it. Like, I I just can't believe he's not going to coach anymore. And, and, and if he's not going to coach anymore, it's wild to me that anybody thinks that makes him qualified to be a great exec. Now, maybe I'll be wrong. I guess we'll see, but. Well, they I said guess. he they said he was burnt out personally from coaching. So he took over in 2013. He took him to three conference finals. You know, they had some years right where they overachieved. For sure. Um, and, and that was and that was the thing with the Celtics is like you have this great coach and you overachieve with lesser talent. Give the kid some talent. And now before he, you know, before he's really like gotten to his coaching prime i'd say he's like burnt out lost locking the executive it's just uh, something's fishy about this yeah you there now now who becomes the coach of the celtics the guy who got banned for life who threw the water at Kyrie. (laughs) i don't know it's a good question but the whole, I find the whole thing very odd. The whole I, thing. I, that's what I'm, I, I, I think that there's something we don't know. That's how odd I find it. Yeah. It's just like, that was a, that was a legit Woj bomb where you're like, what, what just happened? When you, when you see the tweets come out yesterday. And, and Danny Ainge is retiring just altogether, I assume. I don't know. He's got, dude, you know, the thing about these guys, there, there is no retirement. You know this. There's, there's just no retirement. Angel's only 62. Like, right. there's, there's no retirement for these guys. They, they, they can't do it. They can't not do it. They just keep, they keep coming back or he'll be, you know, he'll go to his house in Wyoming or Oregon or wherever for a year. You know, he's from Oregon and then he'll come back and, take on some other role. But, you know, who knows? I, 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 I don't know. I don't know who they're looking at or what the move is, but it sounds who, like, it sounds like he, it sounds like Stevens was burnt out and did, you know, the traveling does add up. I'm sure he's got a young family and he probably just wanted to have a job where he mostly stays yeah, in the area. Who, 
like who like I mean, what are we talking about? Is Jason Kidd the next coach of the Celtics? Is, he's been he's been he's been mentioned. Is Dan Tony after a run with the Nets a coach of the Celtics? Like who like where do we go from here? I mean, the the Clippers fired Doc Rivers and hired Ty Lu. Like the Celtics are gonna find themselves in a tough spot here. It'll be a retread. It'll be a retread coach for sure. That's all it ever is, man. It's always a retread. Is it Coach K? Is that what's happening? 74? I don't think so. <coughs> that'd be yeah. a weird, that'd be an interesting. Oh, oh, Tug. I think Tug was tweeting. He wants Patino. That's he was joking. I hope so, right? He had to be. Because Patino obviously didn't have a good NBA career and obviously coached them. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in Boston. But the Jazz are moving on. They had kind of a tough series in a couple games, but they played the best when it mattered in the final, like three, four minutes of games three or four. And I feel like they're the most under-the-radar number one seed that also the NBA doesn't want. But they have they have themselves in a really good spot because they play the winner of, Cla- of Clippers maps. Right. Which... You know, I think both of those teams could give a Utah team a series, but I don't think that they will give them as tough a one because they have such a they have such a battle going on right now. Uh, you know, obviously, like you said, the Jazz didn't exactly cruise through the first round, but you know, they weren't they didn't have their backs against the wall at any moment. And I agree with you. I think that no, the NBA we oh talked about the NBA doesn't want the Utah Jazz. Oh, they do not want them making the finals. That's what I'm saying, man. If the Lakers and Clippers go down, both. I I agree that, like, who gives a shit about the Clippers? But if they still have the star power names. Yeah. And and, that, and and that's, that's the thing. But not only the Jazz, Utah, and the Jazz, and, like, just stereotypically boring and responsible for, you know, like, just, it's bad. But. You know, the flip side of it is like why they're good is that they don't have the superstar power. Now, Donovan Mitchell's awesome. You know, don't get me wrong. He's fucking great. I love Donovan Mitchell. Um, but he, they, 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 what they've done, especially since he's young, um, is the opposite of the let's have a big two, let's have a big three. They have great players surrounding a good young star, surrounding a great defensive player in the middle. Like, and 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 what happens when you have that you don't have a situation where one guy goes down and you're fucked yeah and we talk about name changes a lot with sports teams and in this era of more political correctness or things we should definitely update Obviously, it's a huge discussion. We got to start discussing teams that just have the wrong name. I mean, seriously, we like every time I put on the jazz, you think of New Orleans, you think of black culture, which is literally the complete opposite of Utah. I'm not even joking here. Can we discuss name changes for teams that it's so out of place? I mean, do that when you start talking about the Lakers. I was going to say, you know, you could throw the Lakers in that. Now, maybe the difference is the Lakers have such history as far as winning. But like, but no fucking lakes. The one lake in fucking L.A. now is like covered in homeless people and they've got a fence around it. Like, 
you know, there's no legs. I would love to know the number of jazz bars, not just in Salt Lake, in the entire state. How many jazz bars exist? I love in Utah? forget jazz, forget jazz bars. I'd like to know the number of jazz musicians. <laughs> I'd like to know the number of people there who have listened to jazz. Yes. How many people in Utah, if I said the name, who is Miles Davis? Answer it correctly. <laughs> They're like one of Joseph Smith's henchmen. <laughs> it's, it's truly unbelievable. I, I mean, now, but so we, I think we all agree the NBA doesn't want the Utah Jazz in the NBA Finals. Like, if, let's say, forget forget knowing the winner of the Suns-Lakers series, but who do you th- who is in the NBA Finals from the West? I don't think it's the Lakers anymore. I, I don't think it's the Clippers. I never thought it was the Clippers. I think it's a jazz right now. <coughs> I mean, like, like you said, though, they do have a complete team. They got a great defender in the middle and go bear. You got multiple guys who can score. You got guys who can come off the bench and score. I mean, yeah, we're looking at like a Utah Phoenix Denver top three. Well, you you just, you know, it's just the injuries, man. And and the Clippers are so hit or miss. And obviously the Lakers, just they just have too many damn injuries. God, can you imagine just a like a like a box jazz finals? Bro. Clay Travis is jizzing in his pants at the thought of it. Talk about bad ratings. But again, yeah. I I I <laughs> I do legit. I stand by my point and I don't, no one's addressing it. I feel like I'm the only one bringing up the ratings thing as far as it doesn't affect the TV deals. Like, like I, I don't everybody know. With, everybody with common sense is bringing that up. A lot of people are. They are. Cause cause, cause I'm not, I'm not seeing many people like I'm not even just talking about sports. I'm talking about all the ratings. Like, like, you know, ratings are down. In a lot of areas, I feel like I'm the only one saying, but it doesn't make it doesn't really matter if you're still paying all this money for advertisers like who gives a shit, bro. I've been saying this for 10 years, like it's all niche marketing now. It's the entire name of the game. You know, the entire name of the game these days is who cares how many people are watching, listening, paying for it, whatever. As long as the you can you can you can direct market a very small group of people. And as long as those people are fucking psycho about it, that's all you need. Yeah. All you need is psychos who buy five NBA jerseys and, and have the NBA package and, and pay for, you know, the local cable provider because it's got their regional sports network and whatever. I, I just, I would love to see the financials on it. I really would legit. Like I'm legit interested. Like I know CNN's ratings are down big time since, Trump's not in office, which we all saw, right? Yeah. But again, I pose the same question. Okay, CNN's ratings are down. Is the advertising revenue down? That's all I want to know. 
And right. if it's not, it doesn't fucking matter. None right. of it, none of these ratings matter if the advertising revenue isn't down. I, mean, I need a, I need a report. Who wants to do a report for me? I want to, I want to get to the bottom of this. Also, just think about like, think about, think about social media. Think about Twitter. It doesn't matter like, oh, NBA ratings are down. Meanwhile, Dame Lillard owned social media the other night. Owned it. Every single person tweeting about Lillard. He's the number one trending topic, blah, 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 blah. blah. There could have been a, you know, the president could have gotten shot. It wouldn't have gone trending on social media like what Dame Lillard did. And so, well, you the president, I, I think the president got shot. It would have taken over <laughs> to be fair. Okay. I get your you, point though. It the, like he owned it. And he it's did. because those kids are fucking watching it on their phone. They're watching it on the, you know, the fake Reddit sites. They're watching it, whatever. Like no one gives a shit about the ratings. It's all about like what, how much of the, how much of the, just everything, the Twitter sphere, the social media, the conversation is it dominating? Now, granted, I agree with you. Bucks jazz is not going to make, you know, for for it's not drawing in people other than NBA stands. But um, it, and the NBA is still very, very, very popular. And anybody who thinks it isn't is a clown. Well, if you missed watching Dame's performance or any other game, just go to Magic Johnson's tweets because he will let you know with amazing tweets like it's Dame time. Damian Lillard hit a last minute three pointer to send the game into overtime moments ago, a step back three to send the game into double overtime and another one. The next tweet, Damian Lillard has 55 points. The most in trailblazers history, dude, playoff history, dude. Will someone tell magic Johnson? We're all watching the goddamn game. No, I think he leans into this at this point. Don't you? I don't think he does. Does he? I don't know. Look, he's an old, he's an older gentleman. Like these old, these old dudes, they don't understand this shit still. They don't understand social media. I think somebody told him like, Hey, a lot of people are like retweet Matt. You're t- like, just keep saying dumb, obvious shit. <laughs> There's a magic Johnson burner, which has almost 40,000 followers, which responds to magic. Oh, this is funny. The Magic Johnson burner responded, Damian Lillard is an all-star point guard. <laughs> That's amazing. And then somebody wrote, I can never tell which Magic Johnson count it is when he tweets because the burner used the exact same, uh, you know, basically same profile. Did you see this? Um, did you see this Chris Paul news? He's declining his $45 million option next year. And he wants a new deal. No, I didn't see it. He wants a, he wants he wants three more years somewhere in like the realm of a hundred million dollars. And now I know that the Knicks are absolutely gonna do that because this is just what the Knicks do. They fucking they need a guy. He's 36. Now, what's that? He's 36 years old. I know. Dude, the amount of fucking 36-year-old fucking guys who are kind of washed that the Knicks give way like it's a tale as old as time, Andy. You know, how, you know how old Chris Paul is? This is how you sum up how old Chris Paul is. We were both in college at the same time together. Yeah. So, to me, that Mark, puts Chris, 
Mark it down. Pray Nostradamus. He'll absolutely get that deal from the Knicks. But to Chris Paul's credit, man, he, he's continued to play very well into his age. Yeah. He's been great. He gets, he turns teams around, gets them in the playoffs. It's great. Now are the Suns going to win a championship this year? No. I just want to know what happened to his twin brother. I mean, I mean, State Farm is doing some stuff. Talk about conspiracies. They suddenly, Jake went from being white to black. Cliff Paul apparently was murdered. What happened to Cliff Paul? They just, they just stopped mentioning him. Yeah. His twin brother? What what happened? Him and white Jake from State Farm moved into a cottage in the woods. (laughs) Never to be heard from again. Yeah. Um, all right, our, our Celtics coaching possibilities. Uh, Cliff Paul, <laughs> Paul Pierce, <laughs> Becky Hammond. Um, no, I think we should just do all Pauls. Coach K, all, all Paul. They have to have Pauls in their name. Yeah. Jake R- Paul. Rand Paul. Rand Paul, Jake Paul, Chris, uh, 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 fucking Cliff Paul, Paul Pierce. Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan. That's not a basketball. That's a basketball. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you, you, you think people from Boston hate black people, Mike? <laughs> oh, I love telling the story about me watching Crocodile Dundee 3. It's unbelievable that it came out like 10 or 15 years after Crocodile Dundee 2, I brought a girl back and we had it on. And it was like, you, you, you talk about like bringing a girl back from a bar and it's like, are we going to fool around? Probably, but let's see what happens. You talk about a movie where like, she's like, dude, I will definitely start fooling around with you because I can't bear Crocodile Dundee 3 returns to Los Angeles. A movie that you, you will f- start hooking up because you can't bear watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Like little, little did I know that Paul Hogan was going to be the best wingman ever. Ah, uh, how did you not know that? I know he's he's wearing a leather vest without a shirt on underneath. <laughs> I thought so he was. He's, I, speaking of that, I thought of you the other day when they panned to uh, God, which which NBA game was it? It was a, it was the Suns Lakers game. They panned to the crowd, and there was some guy wearing a, you know. A, a son's jersey without any sort of shirt underneath. And I'm like, there's Brano's guy. Guys, if you're playing fucking beer pong outside a frat party in the spring, basketball jersey, no shirt underneath, totally acceptable. Please wear a t-shirt under it when you go to a fucking NBA game. They're not going to put you out there to play. You know why? Because you're wearing jeans, dog. And you got a dad bod. Stop acting like you're about to take the court. Well, on that note, Joe. I know you got to get to a ball game. We'll do calls next episode. 310-359-8365 is the hotline. Give us a ring and you can make the cut and be on the show. Koozies are going out this week. Drop an iTunes review. Leave a Twitter or Instagram handle and I will reach out to you. If you don't have either of those, you can email me at andyruther45 at gmail.com. I'll get those koozies out to you. Thanks to all the dirtballs who've been coming out to shows. Thanks to all the dirtballs who came out last night in San Diego. Uh, I will be at the Mets pods game right, right, right behind home plate on the lowest level tonight. If anybody's in, in the stadium, I know a couple of dirtballs said they're going tomorrow night. I wish you could stay for the Grom night. 
Uh, but I got to do a private comedy show back in New York. If you want me to do a comedy show in your town, uh, follow me on Instagram. It's all that people care about anymore. How many Instagram followers do you have? I'm like, I got an hour of really good jokes. So like, cool story. What's your Instagram? Please follow me on Instagram at Joe Prano, all social media at Joe Prano, except for Twitter at fix your life. Uh, drink some Miller lights, go to a ball game, drink some Miller lights, play some golf, send me a picture of it. Makes me happy. It's my legacy. Yo, it's my legacy. Yo, all right, guys, that's the show. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting us. And as always, stay dirty.